we need to make sure that every vote counts and we don't have this majority system where lots of voices are left outside the council chamber and we end up with a council that's dominated by elderly right-wing white men. They're the people that make the decisions and if you look at the mess they've made of, of COVID in Gloucestershire, I think that's because they just didn't have some of the perspectives. They didn't understand how some of the poorer communities live. There weren't enough women there making good decisions and you know we can change that on May the 6th and I think I think we, we need to make sure there's more diversity in the council at Gloucestershire um, after these elections. Hello, my name is George Thomas and welcome to this Amplify FM election special, an interview with Molly Scott Cato, former leader of the Green Party Group on Stroud District Council, and current county council candidate. We cover a variety of topics from the challenges of a green post-COVID recovery for Stroud to housing, local democracy, racism, and more. Asking questions submitted by residents of the Stroud district and other local parties. We are doing these interviews with representatives of all Stroud's major parties in order to make the local elections on May 6th more accessible to people across the Stroud district. And we hope you enjoy listening to these conversations. And for upcoming summaries of these discussions, keep an eye on our social media and of course on AmplifyStroud.com. Uh, well, thank you for speaking with me today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, who you're representing and what are the key issues you're championing in this election? I'm Molly Scott Cato and I'm standing for the Stroud Central Division to represent Stroud on Gloucestershire County Council. And I would say one of the reasons I want to be elected to Gloucestershire County Council is that from the meetings I've attended recently as a member of the public, I've been really shocked by how poorly representative it is of the community in general in Gloucestershire and particularly of the community in Stroud. And 42 of, of the members are men and only nine of them are women. And so I think it needs a bit of shaking up and it needs to be made more responsive and really address the needs of, of people in Stroud and the priorities of people in Stroud and particularly the green sort of principles that are really strong in our town. And I, I don't feel that's happening at the moment. I would say the three key issues for me to do with um, representing people at county level. The overwhelmingly important one that we're all focused on at the moment, of course, is our health. And I've been speaking to Gloucestershire County Council since last April, asking them to make sure that the test and tracing for COVID is done locally by the local public health team we have here in, in the county. And that's actually going to become really important when we open up in, in the autumn and you know late summer. And it's not something that's in the past. It's absolutely that something, something that's in the future. And if I'm elected in May, I will continue to push to make sure that we actually contain the cases of COVID we've got in the county and we don't have any outbreaks when we're relying on a completely useless national system and we just see that spreading out of control. So I think, you know, public health investment generally, but particularly contact tracing is really important. Then you won't be surprised to hear me say that I think it's really important that we build back better from COVID. And as an economist, I'm still sort of looking in some trepidation at what's going to happen to the economy once the furlough starts to unwind. Lots of jobs just being sort of held there in, you know, in the freezer, as it were. And once that's removed, I think we are going to see a lot of jobs shaken out. And so we need to be prepared to invest in those people, to retrain them and to prepare them for the, um, the sorts of jobs that we need to see to, to take Gloucestershire through the uh, sustainability transition. And the third thing I would say, which is obviously related, is about the urgent need to have much better transport options for people in Gloucestershire. As somebody who doesn't have a car and is getting a bit too old for a push bike on these Stroud Hills, I really 
understand the need for much better buses in, in particular. Cheaper, more frequent, decent bus station in town here. And also cycleways so people feel safe when they choose different options to the car. Because the principle here really is that the greenest option should also be the cheapest and easiest option. And that's sort of the opposite of the case at the moment. And that's something I'll be pushing for if I get elected to the county council in May. Fantastic. Well, the first thing I'd like to start with is talking about a post-COVID recovery for Stroud. And so I think back to around this time last year, and people were talking quite optimistically about how coronavirus was like a great leveller, and it was impacting everyone in society equally. But you don't really need to look hard now to realise that it's deepened existing fault lines of inequality in the country. And last time we faced recovering from a crisis that even approached that of the COVID-19 pandemic was the 2008 banking crash, and following which we had to endure a decade of austerity and privatisation, which means that local government budgets were slashed, community services were outsourced, and unscrupulous and unaccountable private interests managed to work their way into the gaps. And this has led to a lot of people feeling alienated and disenfranchised justifiably with local government. For example, from the survey we put out, 48% of people who responded said they didn't actually know who their local councillors and candidates were. 35% said they knew, but they didn't feel well represented. And just over a quarter said that they felt well represented by their candidates. So it's kind of clear that everyone agrees we need a green recovery from coronavirus. But I also think it's important that it's a democratic and equitable recovery. So before we talk about the specifics that you see for a green recovery in Stroud, I'd like to talk about what you see local government's role being in rebuilding community wealth, but with democratic oversight and in a way which results in clear social benefits rather than just wealth extraction. So do you, do you think we're facing a, a democratic crisis in local government as well as on a national scale? Well, I think you're absolutely right to say that COVID has shone a light on the very unequal society we've become actually under successive governments during the whole of my lifetime. And I think governments are focused on economic growth rather than well-being and rather than making sure everybody is seeing the benefits of that economic growth. I also agree with you that looking back to the last crisis we had, the, the banking crisis, the costs of that were borne by the poor and the rich actually got richer as a consequence of that. And that was because the Tories moved towards a policy of austerity and cuts and we have to make sure that doesn't happen this time. And I think with a Conservative government and a Conservative council um, in County Hall in Gloucestershire, if that's what happens after the election, obviously I would like to see um, the same sort of system we've got in Stroud where the progressive forces run the council. But if we do end up with a Tory administration there, I think we absolutely need somebody like me who's a sort of green economist focused on justice and really understands how to make sure that not only can we share wealth locally, but we can really resist the sort of cuts that otherwise I fear might be coming down the line because that's like a that's economically illiterate as well as being incredibly punishing to many people in our communities and we just can't let that happen this time and to address your question about the disillusion with local government i think we've got We've got a few problems there. I mean, we've got the problem with the electoral system where actually you have to get a majority together in any one place to get elected. So as Greens, the seat I'm standing in, Stroud Central, was the first seat we managed to get on the county council. And it's the only seat where we feel reasonably secure because we know that the majority of people in Stroud Central are green voters. But it's so wrong. We know that right across Gloucestershire, um, you know, there are a lot of green voters. We have we might get 25% in Bisley-Painswick or maybe 30% or may win that seat if we if we do well. And the same in Tetbury and lots of places, you know, we're sort of knocking on the door 10, 20, 
30%. But if the Conservatives get 50%, then we won't get those seats. And so the Conservatives in Gloucestershire are very much overrepresented. And all the other interests of, and communities, I would say, are underrepresented. And that's because we have an unfair voting system. And so, you know, we need to make sure that every vote counts. And we don't have this majority system where lots of voices are left outside the council chamber. And we end up with a council that's dominated by elderly right-wing white men. They're the people that make the decisions. And if you look at the mess they've made of, of COVID in Gloucestershire, I think that's because they just didn't have some of the perspectives. They didn't understand how some of the poorer communities live. There weren't enough women there making good decisions. And, you know, we can change that on May the 6th. And I think I think we, we need to make sure there's more diversity in the council at Gloucestershire um, after these elections. If things go well for the Green Party in Stroud and you get as many candidates as you hope for. Do you have any plans for rebuilding trust in the community? Because whilst you might be able to get green voters to come out and support the party, for everyone who didn't vote green, they might be a distrustful of the council itself or just not enamoured with the Green Party. Do you have any strategies for encouraging people to see local government as a meaningful and useful part of our democracy? To be honest, I don't think that's such an issue in Stroud Town because people are so green-minded now in the town as a consequence of us having a, a green council here and a lot of green representation for a long time. And that's, I think, one of the leading reasons why it's, you know, the Times has found it's the nicest place to live. Um, I take your point entirely if we think about other parts of Gloucestershire, but obviously I want to represent those people and make sure they're represented on the council. When you're an elected representative, you represent everybody in your patch. And obviously I, I did that as an MEP and you look after everybody's interests and you do casework and you sort out the problems of everybody, regardless of, of how they voted. That's that's what being a democratic representative is all about and I'll, I'll certainly do that but and and any green representative would i think for me the important thing is that we get we get everybody's sort of views represented well there um, and then that's when people come to trust local government more and also of course we face the problem that often what you're doing as a local councillor under a conservative government is implementing conservative spending cuts and that's a pretty soul-destroying thing and you can say to the people in your patch you know I don't want this to happen but people in Stroud voted for a conservative MP so that conservative MP may well vote for more spending cuts and um, then it will be our job as councillors even though we, we don't want that to happen to vote those through. And I think what the Greens would do about that is to make sure that taxation started at the local level. So rather than us paying our taxes to London and then then spending it on Trident and giving us a little bit for our care services, we would choose our priorities. And I don't suppose many people in Stroud would vote to send 10% of their taxes or whatever it might be off for, you know, for, for defence and um, nuclear weapons. So that would shift the balance of power. And I think what you're saying about the sort of failure of local democracy and the lack of trust in local politicians, a lot of it is about the way the government uses uses our money to sort of buy itself certain seats in an election. We've seen that particularly with this government, you know, sending money to marginal seats, um, while at the same time, local government doesn't have the power to raise taxes itself. So that power balance has to be changed so local politicians can raise money as they can in most other countries. You've said already that you think the Gloucestershire County Council isn't at all as representative as it really should be. But do you think that both Stroud District Council and the GCC are effective organisations outside of how well they represent their constituents in terms of, I suppose, bureaucracy, but more importantly, does having candidates from different parties ever impede the processes to improve the area? Well, I think, you know, I was involved in the negotiations that made sure we um, not only ran Stroud District Council on a cooperative basis and took power from the Tories to do that, but uh, also I chaired the audit committee there, so I was able to see how well public money was spent. And my observation about 
local government, at least at Stroud District Council, is that the lack of effectiveness is really due to the fact that the spending cuts, I mean, 40% on average of funding lost to local government, yet they still have actually have to provide more services than they did because of an elderly population and now COVID as well. So um, if things don't work well, it's largely because you just don't have sufficient people there to keep those basic functions running and the ones that then are statutory functions obviously you you have to do those or you're in breach of the law and then everything else that's that's the sort of services actually we all rely on that make our lives worth living that they're the ones that get cut and then people maybe lose faith in the council but that is absolutely the result of, of central government spending cuts and in terms of whether Gloucestershire spends our money well I mean I I would say just look at the incinerator you know that was an appalling waste of public money it featured in private eye rotten boroughs just this week and um you know we've got, got the campaign group here in Stroud R4C campaigning to actually see what the contract looked like and Sarah Lunnan who held this seat where I'm sitting and hope hope to be elected you know opposed that and tried to get transparency over that and the, the audit committee itself has condemned the way that decision was made and I that's one of the reasons I want to get into Gloucestershire because I want to be a councillor to have as much ability as I can to to see how public money is spent and make sure it's spent for the for the benefit of people of Gloucestershire. That leads me to consider the fact that all the councils in Gloucestershire have declared a climate emergency. So green recovery from COVID should be on the cards. Could you outline what you think a green recovery would look like in Stroud and you know the wider district? Yeah, I think it's important to start by saying that uh, the public now is well ahead of politicians in terms of the urgency that they see with this, with the climate issue and the sort of radical policies they want to see implemented. That's why all the parties that you'll see will say that they're the greenest. Um, but obviously, we are the original and therefore the best. I'm bound to say that. Um, but also, I think the thing is about being a green. This is at the heart of your politics. You've thought about it for a long time. You really understand what the practical proposals are all about. And it's not just something you sort of tack on because um, people have started to realise this is a real issue. You know, it, the climate crisis and the nature emergency go through everything that we do as Greens. They run through everything that we do. And so they would, of course, be central to our use of public money to recover from the COVID crisis. And central to that is the need to improve people's homes, you know, retrofitting, making homes warm and actually cheap to heat. And then that you're not wasting your money on, on expensive heating bills that are actually also um, making the climate crisis worse. That It's just a triple win there. You'll create good quality jobs in all our communities, make sure people have warm, safe homes and also reduce CO2. So what's not to like about that? But we've made that proposal in consecutive elections, uh, national elections, where you see Greens actually in power, as in Brighton, you see these really ambitious proposals for those sorts of schemes. And of course, also the training to support people to shift from the jobs that might have been destroyed by COVID into these new sectors. And Stroud, because um, it has a green chair of environment, has quite an ambitious proposal for this. But it's it's now having to seek funding. And I think one of this is should be an absolute priority for Gloucestershire, not just investing in those programmes, but also making sure that the education system that we're responsible for prepares people for those jobs. And then, then I would say we need to be more ambitious in terms of manufacturing the kit, because we know we're going through this sustainability transition. We know it means we'll be using different, um, different methods for, for generating our electricity, but also energy efficient products, batteries and so on. The government is sort of waking up to this now. And I think we need to have a really ambitious proposal from Gloucestershire for attracting that money and really developing our the sort of um, tradition we've got here in the five valleys of high quality, high end engineering and start to shift that towards 
it, you know, this is already underway, but we need to really focus on how can we make sure that this is a centre for green engineering. And there are proposals at Berkeley, but at the moment they're focused on kind of like the unicorn technology of fusion. And I think we need to be much more practical. And obviously this is something where I think my training and skills as a green economist would be useful. And lastly, uh, you probably know I'm a, I'm a sort of like a huge campaigner for Stroudwater Station to be reopened. Not only do I think we need more buses, as I already said, but we also need to improve our, our rail networks. And we absolutely need a direct rail link from Stroud to Bristol and to the southwest. And this is something that, you know, when I was a, a member of the European Parliament and I travelled the whole of the southwest by train, it just used to totally do my head in that I'd have to go up to Cheltenham or over to Swindon to get to Plymouth. And I pledged then that I would just spend any energy I've got making sure that we reopen that station and get uh, get you know into the proper rail network in that direction you know we're we're lucky to have that connection to london but we need to have the connection um that takes us to, to birmingham and bristol and uh yep i will i will bang on everybody's door at county hall until that happens so there's one one question that we've had or one, one criticism that we were asked to put to candidates is the question of how realistic it is to invest money in retraining people in the Stroud area? Do you think that's something that the Stroud region has the capacity to actually do? Or is it going to be something where people with the skills are going to have to come to Stroud rather than finding the people in Stroud themselves? I mean, that's a question of level of ambition. It's like creating the jobs by making the public investment and then working with the colleges that we have here to make sure people, people are retrained into those jobs. As we go through the sustainability transition, some jobs will disappear and we need a lot of work done to make sure that we're ready for net zero carbon. And so, you know, we, we have to rise to the challenge of training. And it's not about do we need to attract those people in? It's about the fact that the people in our communities need employment and we need to have jobs. And Strand has such a fantastic reputation for green we need to exploit that in order to develop those sectors and then provide the training in the educational facilities we've got here to make sure that people are, are skilled up for those jobs. So that leads me to leads me to think about the role of climate action networks around Stroud. And I know that quite a lot of candidates, quite a lot of councillors around Stroud across different parties are involved in running climate action networks. I was wondering if you could comment on how these kind of community or volunteer-led organisations could work alongside local government. Like, to what extent do they have a voice or could be given a voice by their councillors? I think I think they're doing an absolutely wonderful job because what we I always call it the sustainability transition, and that means there's going to be rapid change happening quite fast. And what the climate action networks are doing is helping people to understand and make that move in their own lives. So that's an important role that they play but I also think there's a lot of expertise centered in those organizations and that's the sort of expertise we need to develop these centers of excellence sustainability excellence and sustainability industrial excellence across our communities as well but I would say that um None of this can succeed unless it's central and local government are really behind it and really putting the money in. So if you think of the example of the Green Homes Grant, I mean, that's the second attempt to provide public money for people to upgrade their homes, which which the government thought up, you know, dreamed up without consulting people who know about this. The second scheme that's failed. And so now people on lower incomes are simply not able to find the grants that they need in order to upgrade their homes. And so while these climate action groups and climate action networks are really important, they need to have the backup of proper investment and commitment and understanding from central and local government. And again, I think that's why we need, I mean, we could really do with a lot more Greens in Parliament, making sure that this is actually properly thought through, but also at all levels of, of local government as well.
So there's a people recently have been talking a lot about what they call the Preston model because you know it's got this uh, this idea that outsourcing hasn't worked for a decade. Insourcing is a means through which you can train people, provide jobs, and do it all with the kind of democratic oversight that we've been talking about in local government. Do you think that's an effective way of tackling the fact that so much of these kind of ambitious plans are? severely restricted by the choices made at national government in parliament. Right? I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to let national government off the hook in any way because they've been appalling, slow, late and, you know, tight fisted when it comes to these green investments. But obviously, this is something that goes back sort of 30 years in, in thinking about green economics and something I've written about myself, you know, in my academic career. And the, the important point, this is why we set up the Stroud Pound, same point. The important point is to get the local multipliers going. You know, I think you can see this very clearly with the with what's happened with COVID, because actually what's happened is that we haven't spent money with each other. We haven't been circulating that money because we haven't been to the cinema, or we haven't been to the pub. It's not that there's a whole lot of actual physical stuff not happening. It's that the actual social and interactive stuff's not happening. So the money hasn't been circulating. So the point of the Preston model is to increase those local multipliers. And that was also the point of what we did in Transition Stroud and with the Stroud Pound. So, you know, you have to find a way of persuading people to spend their money locally and not online. And local government is not is not good with this at all. So, for example, one of the proposals we have in our, in our proposals for these elections is that 15% of all procurement should be with local businesses. I bet Gloucestershire County Council doesn't live up to that. And that's another thing. We could just make that a requirement. Every time they do any procurement, you know, in any department or in their annual budget, they make sure that 15% is with local businesses or, you know, as much as possible. But that is an absolute minimum. And so um, I never really call it the Preston model because I think we've been trying to do that in lots of places, actually. But the, the point about it is you you increase the amount of times you use local businesses and you absolutely have to do that as local government it's it's an absolute priority and I'm afraid that if you see the economy as a sort of um, handbag you know if you have that model of the economy that conservatives do oh the money's spent and it's gone then you don't understand the Preston model but if you see the economy as a system through which money circulates and you want to keep it circulating locally as much as possible then the Preston model absolutely makes sense and that's yeah that's something that we need to, that's sort of thinking that we need to change I think, um, at county level and something that was changed at district level when we took power from the Tories back in 2013. We took the waste contract back in-house then rather than having, you know, private contract. And as we spend more time in power in Stroud, we will take more contracts back in-house. And then if we need to employ people outside our own council, then we will employ local people. And that's, that is a reason for not having Conservatives in control because Conservatives will always take the, the, the apparent cheapest price bid, even when ultimately that reduces is the value that stays with your local economy. We had a question from a constituent asking whether or not they can actually expect their councillors to represent their views and the views of the area rather than the views of the National Party. They asked, can you give examples of times when you've had to represent views that you don't personally hold, but you know it is the the will of the majority of people that you're representing? Ah, that is a good question. I definitely had to do that a few times as a, as a member of the European Parliament. Um, sometimes on farming, for example, I mean, I 
very much support um, a regenerative approach to farming and much reduced use of, of pesticides. And I think a lot of people in the Green Party would probably support, a, well, we all we do support a move towards a plant-based diet, but I very much stood up for the, the meat and dairy farmers of the Southwest. And so rather than saying we should eat more vegetables, I, I thought my job was to help them move towards a more sustainable system of farming. So yeah, I mean, I think the, the point is in the Green Party, you have very strong principles about what you're trying to achieve, but you're not actually forced to conform to a party line. We don't operate a party whip. We allow people always to vote according to their conscience. And I think that automatically means we're, we're better representatives to local people. But once you are elected, you're always kind of balancing between the people you represent in your community, the wider responsibilities you have to future generations, to the local environment, and um, also, of course, to the climate. And then, of course, practical considerations to do with the money and power that you have at your disposal. So I think sometimes people say, oh, you know, um, politicians have, um, you know, they've compromised and they see that as a bad thing. But literally, it's the nature of being a politician that you have to compromise between those things. And obviously, you're also compromising between all the different people you represent in your community who, as we see here in Stroud, have all sorts of different views on all sorts of different issues. So it's a difficult job being a politician. But I think it's made a lot more difficult if you're in a party that actually tells you how you have to vote. Whereas in the Green Party, it really doesn't happen very often because we're very clear about our principles and I think we're good at listening to communities. But in the ultimate um, you know, analysis, if I feel that something isn't right for my community, even if it's party policy, then I'm perfectly free to, to vote against it. You already briefly mentioned the, the Times piece, which is named Stroud, best place to live in the UK. But we had some questions in response to our survey asking whether or not that's actually true for everyone within the Stroud district. It's all well and good if you live in Stroud town, but for people living outside of central Stroud in Cam, Dursley, Hardwick, they might not see the same benefits as people living in the centre of town. And some people have said that they feel Stroud town itself is becoming increasingly unaffordable. And so do you have any, any promises or strategies which can help make sure that Stroud remains livable for people who have been born there and have spent their entire lives there and don't want to be forced out of places they know and love. I think this is a, a really important issue. And um, when we finish this interview, I'm going to go up campaigning in, in Slade. And so, you know, I'm perfectly aware of the fact that there is there is a very mixed community here in Stroud and people with very different levels of, of economic power and resources at their disposal. And actually, I think it's one of the nice things about Stroud while I've lived here, that it is a very mixed community, the town as well as the district. So it would be wrong to say, you know, that everybody in the town is rich. I mean, you only have to do some canvassing to know that's wrong. And actually, there's enormously posh kind of houses right next door to current, you know, social housing and, and council owned homes. But I do think we're seeing an increasing number of people come in and come in from London uh, with much greater financial resources sources and maybe they've made money on property in London and we are seeing house prices inflating here and that is that is a, a, a real worry. But to me the answer to that is to make sure that we still have enough social housing and Stroud District Council is, is very focused on building and continuing to build its, its council housing and that's something I worked on um, in terms of making sure we had the money for that when I was a councillor there. That's important but while we still have this awful policy of right to buy, um, we're you know, the incentive for local councils to build council housing is always reduced because it can immediately be sold off into the private sector. And so when you're in a in a community like this one where the house prices are rising, there's always that incentive for people to, to sell the house and, and liquidate that asset. And we, we just have to you have to find a way to stop that from happening because because um, it means that people on lower income simply can't afford to live in our town and we would lose the really nice mixed character that we've we've got currently. And I think we certainly need to think more about the other communities, the other rural towns and villages that 
make up the district of Stroud, but um, where the pressure, I think, is also on. And I think the answer to this is to, is to engage strongly as, a, as an authority, as a district council, which, which the district council is doing. But it's difficult to do that when, um, when you have this awful right to buy policy. Do you feel there are like particular organisations or individuals who are resistant to it, particularly in the Stroud area? No, no, actually not. I, th- I think it's a it's a very nice thing about Stroud that even the Conservatives here are are pretty fair and quite green. So when we dis- when we as the um, you know non Tory majority, if you like, at Stroud District Council proposed council housing, everybody agreed. The Tories agreed as well. So no, I think people value the the community as it is now and would seek to enable that to continue. And uh, even though some people, of course, you're right that people find it very difficult to, to continue to live here and to find housing. We do have this amazing benefit of wonderful green spaces at our disposal. And I think access to green space is something that people particularly value in, in all the communities of Stroud. Do you feel that Stroud is accessible enough? There are people who submitted responses to our form saying that they think Stroud isn't accessible enough in general for people with accessibility issues. Do you have a plan to help resolve that? Well, I think the main issue with accessibility is the failure of the bus service. You know, if you need to to move around and you don't have access to a car and you have disability issues or you're a wheelchair user, then you absolutely need to make sure that there's a bus stopping close to use and a bus that's that's wheelchair accessible. Um to me, that will be the main thing that needs changing. And I think our, our bus services here are absolutely lamentable and they've been allowed to, to decay. And that's something that has to be reversed. I think, uh, you know, in the town, I stand to be corrected on this. And whoever asked this question can tell me if I'm wrong about this. But the disability law now is very strong. And if somebody came to me and said, I can't get into that shop because I'm a wheelchair user or whatever else the issue was, you know, that's something where I could immediately go and, and they shop or cinema or whatever will be legally obliged to um to allow accessibility so yeah we are all committed to that um but i think you know if you're thinking about access accessibility with getting to other places or even getting into the town from outlying towns or from elsewhere in stroud then much more frequent accessible bus services are very important so on the the notion of who stroud is for both as a town and a district uh, i'd like to move on to the question of race and racism obviously last year the black lives matter protests had a profound impact even in stroud which some people may not have expected given it's like rural and like predominantly white nature but do you as a representative of the green party believe that racism is a prominent issue in the district and if so how would you address its impact on black asian and minority ethnic residents in stroud i think as you point out we live in in a a quite well off rural area um, which is very predominantly white and I think there's a particular kind of racism you get there which is people saying oh I don't see race you know as if that's as if that's fine but if you came to live here as as a non-white person coming to Stroud you would feel you know it would be very difficult for you because you would be in a very small minority and um, I'm not sure how accepting and and welcoming people would be in practice but you know your your perception would be that it wasn't a very welcoming community to be part of and I I think that's a shame and um, you're right you know the the Black Lives Matter protest really brought to the fore something that we've not been dealing with as a a national society for far too long and um, I've worked a lot since then and before then actually with uh, the Greens of Colour who are a group within the Green 
Green Party who seek to, to raise these issues and improve accessibility for, for people of colour from various communities. And, um, you know, for me, that's I've and also I've done a lot of reading and learned a lot myself. And for me, it's been really quite a liberating process, understanding more about Britain and about the, the history of, of black British people and, yeah, the real the real difficulties that they've faced. And so I think Black Lives Matter, it wasn't an event, you know, for me, it's the beginning of a process. And as somebody who grew up in Bath, you know, it's 12 miles from Bristol, where the, you know, the appalling triangular trade um, in enslaved Africans was actually started, and who played hockey next to a very famous monument, which was paid for by the wealthiest owner of enslaved Africans. And yet we heard nothing about this in school, absolutely zero. I think the overwhelmingly important thing is that we all take a long, hard look at our history. And, um, you know, we stopped seeing the empire as something to celebrate and we really begin to atone for for the history of this country and the world. That's something we should do as global Britain. And what we're working on from Greens of Colour is motions for reparations. That's not just about money, but money is obviously going to be a part of it. It's also about education, you know, celebrating our ethnic minority communities and uh, really, you know, education and memorialization of the, the many different communities that have made up this country. And I'm very pleased to say that the motion put forward by my um my friend and colleague Cleo Lake, who was the former mayor of Bristol, recently went through um, with Labour support. And that's something that, that we wish to take forward. Again, it's some, probably something different that we need to do in, in a community like Stroud. Or, but I think in, in Gloucestershire, that's something I would really be working for to make sure that we have a, you know, a formal process for saying, yes, we, we value, we, we, we atone for our past wrongs and we value the contribution these communities make um, to our present and our future. Do you think Stroud District Council and Gloucestershire County Council are doing enough as it stands to challenge racism and promote inclusion and representation within the organisations themselves, not just within the communities they represent? I honestly don't know about Gloucestershire County Council, um, and I think all councils need to ask themselves that question, and it's certainly something I'll be asking um, if I'm elected to, to Gloucestershire County Council in May. So reportedly £4 million was spent on developing the Five Valleys Shopping Centre, £4 million of public money. And again, this is a question we received from a constituent. Do you believe that the majority of people in the Five Valleys will benefit from developments such as this? And I think it's something that applies to questions about the canal regeneration. A lot of these things that are happening in Stroud, are they going to be useful for the district? Or is it just going to be a process through which high rents can be squeezed out of businesses and affordable shops pushed out of town? I think that what makes Stroud special is the fact that it has a sort of unique quality. And I'm so I don't think what we need is people coming up and sticking up different kind of fascia boards and, you know, rebranding shops. I don't think that's what is going to help regeneration in Stroud. And I don't think by rebranding shops, you're going to persuade people to shop more in Stroud rather than online. Um, so I think we need to think about a whole regeneration strategy. And, and if people are not going to shop in shops, I mean, you know, protect and do our best for the shops that are here. But if people are going to shop online more, then we need to rethink what our urban spaces are for, not just in the town, but also in Dursley and in Nailsworth and so on, and, and think of them as social spaces more than as necessarily retail spaces. And I think that's that's something that, you know, this idea of 15-minute neighbourhoods is really important. So you make sure that you have all the services within walking distance to encourage people to stay in, in their town. So that would be not about driving from Nailsworth into Stroud, but making sure that Nailsworth had the post office and access to... Um, 
um, social services from Stroud District Council and Gloucester Council there in Nailsworth. And I think that's something we can put the services back into those communities and make them work as communities, even if the corporates and the big shops are, are taking their taking their shops and, and switching all that online. So that that's a challenge, but it's something I think we really need to think creatively about and not just kind of invest in kind of like, you know, rebranding. I don't think that's I don't think that's the answer. So finally, we have questions from representatives of the other parties. First, we had a question from Stephen Davies from the Conservatives. Uh, He said, I believe the time has passed when any major party does not believe we are in a climate emergency. Are the Greens as disappointed as I am in the progress made at Stroud District Council, particularly no costed plan to retrofit their own housing stock and the recent decision to purchase 12 diesel vehicles two years after declaring a climate emergency? Do you believe these are valid criticisms? Well, that you'd have to get advice from somebody at the district council that you know i think what the tories are doing here is getting on the bandwagon late and picking holes in in other people and the biggest problem we've got by far in tackling the climate emergency is there is a total absence of a plan from national government conservative national government and a failure to fund both specific programs and local government so that they can address these issues so there is a plan for retrofitting our council homes but we have to now go out and find the money for that because there is no national government scheme as i already pointed out and the warms home grant has just folded up so if anybody out there thinks the conservatives are going to do a better job with protecting the climate and protecting the environment than a green then good luck to them but i can tell them 100 percent that's not the case uh, and then a question from Joanna Cornell from the Labour Party. She asked, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing the district over the coming years? I think you've identified a really interesting one that while it's great to be green and having having greens in power here has made this a very attractive place to live, it will then tend to squeeze out people on lower incomes and with with less access to economic resources and so I think we have to think really carefully about that as a community because we don't want to just turn into a sort of rich person's playground and and it's it's lovely to think that when you have artists and greens and you know you work together to make an attractive place other people want to be there brilliant but really we need to do that everywhere rather than sort of everybody then flooding into Stroud and making it impossible to live here so that that's a very important point but obviously beyond that I would say as a green economist I know we're facing a, a climate crisis and a nature crisis as well. And those are the biggest crises we're facing by far. I think we've got to the point where people understand that, but we need to make sure that we have enough Greens in power to put forward the good practical solutions that we've been thinking about for 30 years to address those issues. So that's why I am standing and that's why I'd be really grateful for votes on the 6th of May so I can go off to Gloucestershire and make sure everybody in that council chamber understands the issues with the climate emergency and the nature emergency. And I won't let them off the hook. I'll make sure they take those seriously and take action. Amazing. Uh, thank you very much for taking Thank the time. you. We right. squeezed it in, didn't we? Yeah, that's pretty good. I actually have <laughs> a, a final question. And I don't want, I Go on then. hate to make you play favourites, but since things are opening up again now, do you have uh, a favourite pub in Stroud? <laughs> this is an easy one because I went to the Bear at Robborough yesterday, my first sort of breakout. I think the question you should ask is, which comes first, haircut or pub? I'm really <laughs> amazed by how many men are actually doing the haircut before the pub. But you can see I've just tied my hair up because I favour the pub. And my first choice was the Bear at Robborough, but obviously my next choice will be Stroud Brewery. And I could list a few more, but I won't because that will be unfair. Amazing. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Nice to see you, George. Cheers. You too. Cheers.